0: There have been some amazing podcasts, lectures, and discussions in social media about depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues. Well, one of you out there listening reached out to me and said that they had a very interesting story that they wanted to share. And after listening, I felt that it would be great for everybody here to listen to an amazing story that affects all of us. So as I tell you all the time, get in the car, buckle up, or get on the treadmill, or grab a drink. But today's podcast episode with Jeannie Moody is not one that you want to miss. This, this, This is The Orthopreneur Show with Glenn Krieger, talking about the things you never learned in school, like marketing, management, and leadership. Hey there, everybody. This is Dr. Glenn Krieger. And you're here for an amazing, another episode of The Orthopreneur's Podcast. And today we have a special treat because someone reached out to me and I started to hear her story and I realized that she's absolutely an amazing, amazing person for us to all hear from. So please, let's all welcome Dr. Jeannie Moody. Hello, Jeannie.
1: Hello. How are you?
0: I am doing fantastic. And I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for doing this because I'm going to just, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to give people a little backstory about how this came to be. Is that okay? Sure. And feel free to jump in because it's your story more than it is mine. But, um, but not too long ago, what was it about a month ago where they did, where Kyle had Anil on his Digital Ortho Live? Was that like a month, month and a half ago?
1: Yeah, not long ago.
0: Yeah, it was that amazing episode. And if you folks out there haven't listened to it, Kyle Fagala and uh, the Digital Orthodontist Live. He has some great guests. Um, and he had on the amazing uh, Anil Adikula, who's a great human being, a uh, great leader, pioneer in our profession. Uh, and they were discussing some really heavy topics. You know, it wasn't just all fun and games. And they were talking about things like depression. And that's when you reached out to me, Jeannie, right?
1: Yes. When he, yeah, he was he was real courageous and, and shared on his divorce and depression and, and mental illness. And he, he hit on a lot of topics that I, I felt were near and dear to me. And uh, I felt that I could contribute similarly in that arena. And so, yeah, I think the next day or pretty quickly after I reached out to you.
0: Yeah. And I'm always open to listening to anybody's message because we can all learn from each other. And the more I heard your story and the more you told me about it, the more I felt like, Hey, you know what? We are all, I mean, many of us may not ever go through depression, right? I mean, we're just, some people are are wired to be Tigger, right? And just bounce along in the world forever and ever. And God bless folks who are like that all the time. But um, we all can understand hurt and pain and vulnerability and all the sorts of things that you've explained to me that you've really experienced and learned from. And so uh, before we get into that, uh, as I ask everybody, let's go back a little bit and tell me a little bit about yourself, your life, um, your practice, about how you ended up where you are today, and then we can hop into the heavier stuff.
1: Um, I was raised in a small town in Colorado outside of Steamboat Springs, by my dad so I had a single dad and uh, grew up in a mountain town and just played a lot of sports and and we raised a lot of hell out there (laughs) and um, my mother lived in Florida and I spent summers with her and so I ended up um, at the University of Florida for college and dental school and then um, got into University of Colorado for ortho residency and I graduated in 2008 and actually moved up to the mid cities near you uh, worked for uh, a big uh, multi-doctor practice for a year and uh, then uh, found my way to Austin in 2010. And I worked for a big DSO as their uh, head of orthodontics. And then in 2011, uh, opened my own practice and uh, I have a satellite now as well. And that's how I ended up in South Austin. It was a little more, a little more like Colorado, a little more laid back than, than Dallas, as you know. So, yeah, just uh, Keep yeah, off I the fit, <laughs> yeah, I fit in a little more here, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, Dallas is great. But yeah, this, this has been home now for uh, I guess eight years, nine years, and I've been an orthodontist for 10 years.
0: Beautiful, and as anybody who's friends with you on Facebook would know, you also have a spectacularly gorgeous family. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, there's no question about that. So um, tell us a little bit about, give us an intro here, or let's jump right into it, about your message uh, and maybe some background, however you want to frame it, and we'll take it from there.
1: Well, for me, um, I I was divorced. I filed for divorce in um, 2014, and then again in 2016, and um, my ex-husband, um, he was always ADHD, pretty severe ADHD. And he thought a lot differently than me and we were a good match, um, because of it, but it, it started to spiral and and go into these episodes where it wasn't a partnership and, and some, some manic behavior and, and some mental health issues started to surface that can come on in your mid thirties. And so it, it, it kind of went from ADHD to, you know, this next level of something's not right. And um, tried to get help and, and reconciled and ended up, you know, getting pregnant with twins after I'd already had one child. So uh, in 2016, I found myself with a two year old and um, two six month old twins in just more chaos than I've ever been in, you know, in my life. Wow. I was running a practice and I also was opening a satellite, finishing out a satellite and uh, I found myself just, just in the midst of, of too much chaos. And uh, finally, I guess they say, you know, mediocrity becomes change worthy pain is, is something that, that we hear a lot. But um, in this instance, it, it became, you know, you have two choices. You're going to stay in this or you're going to leave. That's the only thing you can control. And, for me, I've always, you know, out hustled the chaos or outsmarted the chaos or tried to control the chaos. And this this time I couldn't do any of that. And so I decided to, to leave. And so I, I filed for divorce and, and took the kids and, and uh, you know, I guess the message was the way I dealt with it was. Um, and I later realized that, that this method, it, it served me at the time, but it, it may not be the best way, but I hustled, right. you know, I didn't curl up in a ball and, and, you know, cry or, or start drinking or, or any of that. I just hustled.
0: And and by the and, way, just as a quick aside, that's, yes. that's endemic to our profession. Right? That's, oh yes. You just described the typical orthodontist male and female that they run into a wall most of us are going to hustle. We're going to figure out a way to get through that. We're, we've done it our lives. We're going to work through it. And, there's, and I guess we could almost say like there's no amount of hard work that we, can, you know, that's too much for us to do to get through this problem.
1: And so, oh, right. Yeah, I mean, oh, right.
0: typical orthodontist right there.
1: Right. And when I speak to other women, you know, in, in Austin, they turn to drinking or they turn to, you know, going out with friends too much or, or they curl up in a ball and don't go to work for a month. And the uniqueness of us is that's the, you're right. That's not us. And we put on our survival face, and we show up, you know, every day, and we go, and, um,
0: and we and usually not- do
1: it with a smile on our face.
0: We do, but and and not to be insensitive here, right? Just to think of everybody, I use that as a broader comment about us as orthodontists. But obviously, there are many within our in our ranks who don't act that way, right? Who will. You know, uh, retreat a little bit, or who will turn to drinking. But I feel like, as a group, orthodontists are typically Type A's by nature, and uh, are the types who are going to like. There's, we can work our way through anything, right?
1: Right, and I and I also feel, you know, sort of the message that that I'd like to get across is is the vulnerability in our profession amongst each other, but also as a leader and as a a practice, you know, owner, or, or just the doctor in a practice, if you're an associate, that is oftentimes, you know, even, even colleagues that are vulnerable with, with each other or vulnerable, you know, with their families are are really reluctant to be vulnerable um, in their workplace. And so I think that that's something that we as a profession and just professionals struggle with as well and that that's i've learned a lot in this journey and um, discovered so much but the biggest thing that i discovered was how vulnerability can completely reshape you as a leader and also just your workplace
0: yeah so so you so going back a bit you, you you found yourself in this really tough situation the opportunity was there to either just walk away or keep going And right. And and your first instinct would be let's power through this. We got this. Let's go go. Right. And you know, grab Thor's hammer and smash your way through everything. But what happened? What changed? Where did you go from there and how did you get there?
1: Well, for me, you know, my ex-husband had some mental health issues. And so it was it became apparent that this wasn't something I could do for him. I couldn't do the work or or see the professionals that needed to be seen. And as much as I pushed and, and tried every way to get this person to see that this behavior was bizarre and, and frightening, there was nothing I could do to make that person accept it and, and do anything. So that's where it hit me in the face, you know, and it wasn't a slow process. It was a, you need to go or you need to stay, but you have to do something right now. And so we, we left and, um, you know, here I was in the middle of the summer living in vacation rentals two weeks at a time with three kids and my nanny toting along and opening a satellite office and everything was, you know, hitting the proverbial fan in my life. But I was at the office every morning, you know, with a smile selling cases and, and doing what I needed to do to get through it. And once, you know, once I got through that, you know, I, I found I was still stressed and I was still overwhelmed and I still was saying, you know, I'm fine. Things will get better. You know, when the satellite is open and when this divorce is finalized and when I I build a house, you know, we're, we're living in, we were living in a thousand square foot home at the time. And I finally realized that, you know, there's, there's never going to be a right time. Um, you know, and I hear so many people say, I need to exercise, I need to, no, you, you've got to, you will do it or you won't do it. And so I started to shift my mindset first to my physical health. And um, I realized I didn't fight this hard for this life. I needed to design my life. I needed to take steps to to get to where I wanted to be in all the arenas not just the office which is where most of my attention went was you know keeping the kids alive and keeping the office going but um, I had to stop and realize that you know all these other uh, areas needed attention and the attention needed to be focused and clearly defined to get to what I wanted.
0: Right and you know um, LD Panky I, I don't. He's not well known in the ortho world, but he's really yeah. He's
1: well- a Panky Dawson Institute.
0: Exactly. Yeah. sort ortho world. Panky Dawson. It was originally the Panky Institute down in Florida. You know, he wrote this great book. It's long out of print. I'm pretty sure. And I was lucky enough to have it lent to me by an older dentist years ago. And he talks about the cross of life, right? And you just sort of expressed it, which is that you you need to be in the middle. Or as far out equally in both, he talks about love, work, worship, and play, right? Those are the four corners of the cross of life, as as he defines it. And if you find yourself too far into the work, or too far into the love, I mean, I almost—I'll be honest—I met my wife in the second year of dental school, and I almost flunked out of dental school like the semester I met her because I was too far into the (laughs) love. I mean, honestly, right? I mean, I was so madly in love. I didn't want to go to clinic. Or
1: do a wax <laughs> yes.
0: up at 1 a.m., you know, and, <laughs> and so it, you know, Vince was the late, great Vince Kokich before he passed, I had a chance to see him in his office and uh, I said, what lessons do you have to teach me before I go out to ortho school? And he said, you know, he, he summarized it by saying, just don't be like a paper, you know, if you take a paper airplane, it flies well because it's well balanced. If, any, if the nose or the rear end or either wing gets out of balance, the paper airplane crashes. And it was his way of saying what you just said is, you know, try to get your life in balance because when we work too hard in one section, the other sections will inevitably fail. And it sounds like you sort of got that at a good age.
1: <laughs> yes. And, and we like to go towards things that we can see results or sometimes the easiest thing. And sometimes that's work or sometimes that's physical. You know, we're going to hit the gym five days a week. Sometimes the hardest places are the places that need the most attention. And for me, hustle got me through a lot in my life and stopping and breathing and focusing on what I couldn't see when I was in the midst of it was really hard and difficult, and so um, that hustle and that you know and even even working out and you know focusing on the office, stopping and pausing and, and working on the emotional side of things um, and the family and spiritual side of things, and my leadership honestly is is what you know what was hard and scary, just well, stopping you, and breathing. Do
0: I mean, how, I mean, I know in retrospect, it seems like, well, I did it. I just had to do it. But how did you, how did you do it? How did you go from this? I'm going to power through everything, which I got to be honest, is kind of my approach and it's not a good approach, but where do you go from that and say, you know, I need to step back at a time when everything's going badly for me and I need to sort of just take a different approach. What did that, mean? How did it manifest itself? Like you would just physically stop and say, instead of me coming up with answers and solutions, I would suddenly just stop and sort of be with it. I'm curious to see what it meant to you.
1: It, it really, I'm just one of these people that I don't, I don't stop. And I, and I'm a fairly creative person and can come up with great solutions for, for other people, you know, friends and, and family members. But I didn't pause and look at my own life. And it's, it's funny, you know, a side note of of goal setting. And this year I switched my whole way. I do do that as well. But, you know, every year I set these goals and write it down and do this stuff and it never happened. And it was sort of like that in my life. I was, you know, I want to go to the gym so many days and I want to do this with the practice. And I felt like I was working towards these things, but the route I was taking, it wasn't necessarily addressing underlying issues or, you know, what is reality? A lot of times we we tell ourselves bullshit stories all the time. And if you'll stop, even in your day-to-day life, you can stop and tell yourself, you know, well, what, what story am I telling myself? And there's stories you tell yourself all day, you know, about, I, I don't want to go into this because people are going to, you know, judge me because I haven't you know, been an orthodontist for, for 20 years or whatever the, the story is, we tell ourselves every day to pause and realize that you're telling yourself these stories and that half of them aren't true. And to kind of dissect it, that's really been a game changer for me. And also working, working back, you know, you can go to the gym all you want and you can, you know, hire consultants and, and read books and, and books are helpful. I read a lot of them, but until you dissect some of this stuff in your own life and try to realize, you know, a little bit about why you're doing that. And for me it was it was hustle. Hustle served me. Hustle worked. Hustle got me through dental school. It got me, you know, into ortho school. It had worked in a lot of scenarios, but stopping hustling and even slowing the practice down a little bit, coming to my team and and telling them I'm sorry I wasn't a good leader and I had this meeting and I said to them, you're seeing outside changes. You know, I'm, I'm working out a lot and, and trying to, you know, do different things on the outside that you're seeing, but I'm also doing that on the inside. And I owe you a, an apology for um, trying to out hustle everything. And I thought that giving you a Christmas bonus or buying you Starbucks and writing up, you know, manuals and procedures was enough to to get you on my team and to be a leader. And really, you were all intimidated by me. And I stifled, you know, your creativity. And and I took part of your humanity out of the workplace. And that's something that I now know you have to embrace the whole person, you know, and and vulnerability doesn't mean you're walking around, you know, crying in your Starbucks at the office or, or pissed off because you you had a bad night with the kids or whatever, but it, it, it means that there's a whole person there in your staff and allowing them to be their whole selves and not to be intimidated or not to be fearful of coming to you with ideas that that's something I realized. And I apologize to them for, and I, I told them, you know, what I'm telling you, this, this hustle has gotten me through and, I felt like if I stopped, I would crumple up in a ball on the floor and nobody would have a job. Nobody would get paid. The kids wouldn't eat. But the reality is that that's not the case and that's not serving me. And so I'm going to have a new, um, a new way of leading and a new attitude around the office, which is vulnerability. And that's been um, huge for us.
0: Wow. So, you know, it's, it, there's a lot to digest there and I'll be the first to, I'll be vulnerable with you, Jeannie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> My my emotional IQ is like that of a four-year-old. You know, I, I, I always joke with my wife, you know, I'm that guy at the dinner table where we're with that other couple. And, you know, I don't realize that someone might have gotten divorced or something happened in someone's life. And I'll ask a simple <laughs> question, right? You don't know better. But right. You know, then something will happen and my wife will kick me under the table and I'll like turn to her and go, what? And then she gives me the look, right? Because right. I just... <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, we all have strengths, and we don't have weaknesses. We have things we work on, right? So for me, emotional intuitiveness—not a maturity necessarily—but emotional intuitiveness is difficult for me. And so, trying to and unpack. It, Sorry, please.
1: I, it was for me too. I mean, I thought, hey, you know, my accountant said you spent you know eight thousand dollars on on Chick Fil A and Starbucks for these these girls. Is it is it working for you? And I said, no, you know, it, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm rewarding you, buying you little treats, telling you, you know, great job. That wasn't enough. But in my mind, I was a great boss. It never, it never dawned on me that, you know, they, want, they don't want that. They want me to kind of discover their love languages, if you're familiar with that. But, you know, yeah. some of them want me to talk about how are, how are your children? You know, how is, your, how is your dog? How is your house coming along? these things that just felt a little foreign to me with my staff because, you know, it, it, same thing with my, my intuition with them was off. And I thought, you know, here I am buying them stuff and, you know, and that's not my love language. So it's funny that that's how I, I express, you know, my, my, you know, adoration for them, but it was completely off base of what they were craving and what would lead them to respect me and, and care about me which is obviously what has helped me to become a better leader because they, they do care about me and respect me more than they did when I ran things like that.
0: Yeah. It, it's such a broad topic and there's so much to unpack here. And, you know, you talked about, you know, we're all part of this big social media community out here. And we see the posts from people who say, you know, I make sure I I take really good care of my team and we always go out to dinner and I buy them lunch all the time. And you know, oh, Dr. So-and-so is the greatest. He got a massage therapist in the office the other day. And, and I think it's easy for us to fall into the trap of, you know, what may work for them and their particular team it may not work for us as well. And at the end of the day, none of us is in those practices looking at the, the practice and the team may go on social media and say how much they love their doctor. And I say that in air quotes with my fingers. Right. But when, when the real, you know, as I say, when the fit hits the sham, you know, yes. are they going to be there for them? And, and that, I always tell people, I don't have a million friends. I have a lot of acquaintances. But I have, you know, the friends I have are friends who, you know, they're there for me no matter what happens. And is our team there for us the same way? And are, and are we there for our teams, right? Because it goes both ways. Right. So buying them Chick-fil-A and Starbucks is no replacement for the deeper meaningful relationship that you're talking about here and
1: and that 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 hits on you know that is exactly right, and it hits it hits on another thing of of your your tribe and finding you know people and i at first, I thought, well, some of these friends I have it's more superficial, and you know I didn't have a large group of friends either, but I felt okay, maybe this person you know isn't as deep and i I passed these judgments and told myself these stories. And then I, I started have, uh, having conversations with people where I was vulnerable and the unique thing or the thing that shocked me was they were then vulnerable and it, 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 it put the relationship in a place of courage and openness to hearing criticisms or growing. And so I had conversations with people I went to residency with and I was friends with them and we hung out and it was great. But all of a sudden here, 10 years later, I'm having these you know, hour long conversations where I'm growing as a human and and they're growing. And we're talking about deep things like divorce or, you know, children or, or hardships. And and these are male colleagues, some of them and some of them are female, but it was surprising to me that being vulnerable often leads other people to be vulnerable. And so I took that to the friends I had that I had, you know, passed judgment on or said, okay, well, maybe this person's not deep enough or what I want in my life or where I want to invest time. And I started being vulnerable with them and not all, but most of them, the same thing happened. The relationship went to, from, you know, let's have lunch and chat about the kids to something really meaningful and impactful in my life. And I, I feel like you have to be courageous enough to be vulnerable you know, and like, like Anil said, you know, call, call me, call somebody, you know, but get a tribe and find a tribe. And even in, even in these groups, you see a lot of, of, of stuff on these Facebook groups and, and some people are very vulnerable and some people, I don't know, they put airs up, but I have people that text me and they'll text and say, man, my satellite only had 25 patients today. What's going on? You know, did you have a down month or it's just honest and vulnerable and it's so helpful because I think the most, its some book, I've read a lot of books, but one of these people says the most important thing that you can hear is me too. And so to feel like, man, I had a bad month or was it a good idea to do this satellite or man, these guys look like they're just crushing it. and here, you know, it's super competitive and it was it was a rough, you know, April in Austin or whatever the case may be. But to hear somebody else say, you know, me too, And even if it's not the exact same thing, but just to hear these struggles of their practice, sometimes that's more beneficial than these posts about, you know, look at this cool trick or look how I did this awesome marketing thing, or I'm crushing it with this new SEO campaign. That's great too. But I think there needs to be a little bit of balance or we, or we fall into that Facebook mindset of everybody's crushing it and everybody's family's wonderful and you know, and, and it's not really the case.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I spend enough time on Facebook, Jeannie, I am the worst husband. My children are terrible. They can't do anything right. Um, My house is terrible and I don't travel enough. And my practice is is terrible. You spend enough time and the studies are crystal clear. They show that what you see in Facebook groups are not representative of reality because people only show their best, which is case in point to your statement, is that people aren't saying, hey, by the way, you know, uh, I was off the wagon for three years and today I had another drink and I feel miserable. About mm-hmm. it. Right. You, nobody yeah. posts that. And they say, I'm, I'm sober for three years, but nobody posts, you know, their failures. And I agree with you. I think it has to happen more often. And I remember there was a post once on one of the groups and, um, it was, it was a question about growth or, or some sort of mindset and someone posted, yeah, at a really down month. I think I've only done like, you know, 63 starts or some ridiculous <laughs> number like that. And, and someone else posted. After that, like they post probably crap. I I must have a crappy practice because I only did X. And I remember in my head, like this release of like, it's so good to see somebody else say that. And then I responded accordingly, right, the same way. And you know, we get tied up in believing this fallacy that you know what we see online is what we should be. And I wrote about that years ago when I wrote about the purple. Suit syndrome, which I won't get into again here, but it's on my blog. And I think we have to run our race as Liam Pinici always says, right? Run our race and be comfortable with who we are. And your message is so good because, you know, again, I get approached all the time privately in Facebook messages because I'm out there, right? I've put myself out there. And I always say to people, if you need anything, reach out to me. And I think it takes a second to pause here and tell everybody listening. If you are struggling with anything in your life, if you are struggling with depression, if you are struggling with any challenges in your life that really get you to a point where you don't know where to turn, reach out to me on Facebook. You know how to get me. It's easy. I'm always there for you. But because of that, I always get these sorts of messages from people. And you would be, well, I don't think you'd be surprised, but I think people listening would be surprised at how many people are struggling day to day, just with the basic coping in their practices, in their lives, and they don't have anybody to turn to. And I think I think yeah. we as a community can be so much more sympathetic. And I'm pointing fingers at myself, as well as everybody else out there. And I think we need to come together as a community and use our pulpit of 4,000 of us to not scream at somebody about the bracket they're using, or the motion appliance, or a claim they made, or, or what kind of ortho they provide, but to actually make people feel better about the fact that no matter where you are, it can always get better and life can get better.
1: Exactly. And and I'm here too. You can reach out to me on Facebook. But that that's the thing for me is when people reach out to me, I tell them this is this is my my story. This is what you know I've chosen as the path to the life that I want. Your definition of personal growth could be completely different than mine. A lot of the methods and ways to get there may be similar, but but it's your life and your and your growth. And on that same note, you know, being vulnerable leads other people to be vulnerable and share. And that, that's the same thing I experience. People that I don't know that say, Hey, can I have a conversation with you? or I, I saw on Facebook, you know, you're divorced and you know, this and that. But it's it's important to let stuff out in a safe place but also to, you know, find people that will check you and that will help you be vulnerable, but then but then what? You know, here you are vulnerable, but you got to then grow or take the steps. You know, you right. can't, can't complain about something if you're, you're not willing to put energy into, into changing it. And that's really where your energy needs to go. Um, there's a good book called Loving What Is by Byron Katie, but that's, it's an amazing message about that, about, you know, what can you control? What can you do? And then putting your energy towards that. And I think a lot of times we just get stuck complaining or comparing and then we just find ourselves living this mediocre life and it's, it's fine. Everything's fine. The practice is fine. The family's fine. It's not fine. Um, And then at what point do you, you know, admit that it's not fine and, and then go about making changes and, and a lot of times that changes in yourself and that's hard. So if we can be there for each other and be a little more vulnerable and other people see, Oh man, this person is struggling with, you know, their practice or their family or, you know, drinking, you know, three glasses of wine every night and and thinking that that's self care or whatever it may be. I think that others can come forward and and work through it because I think we're very quiet in our, in our profession about what's behind the scenes. And I think we all strive for excellence. Um, A lot of us do, and that's part of our personality. And so with that, uh, I think there's a weakness that we think is associated with vulnerability. And I think we should, you know, shatter that.
0: I agree. I, I'm, I'm as guilty of it. And, and I don't want to use the word guilty because it makes it sound like it's a bad thing, right? And that you right. should it, which you shouldn't. But, but I've, I've perpetrated that enough in my life. Just recently, we had a, a, a discussion in our private RD group about growth and what have you. And I was like, look, you can always grow. You can always get bigger. You can always have more, you know, you can always have more balance in your life. And then I'm going to give a rare Tim Finelli shout out here. (laughs) Because, you know, again, this is all a vulnerability. I need to apologize to Tim because he was right. He made a comment, which until now I really didn't buy into, which was like, but what if we're happy where we are? Right, and mm-hmm. it's like it takes such incredible emotional intelligence and wherewithal to say, you know what, I can have more, I can run faster, I can lift more weight, I can have a bigger practice, you know, I I can push my kids harder, whatever it may be. But it, it comes a point where maybe it's important for us to recognize that not everybody wants what we want. And that,
1: well, and, the, the the other question is is what then? Then what? You right. know, is it you know? Well, my kids will get a scholarship, and you know, I'll retire. Earlier, well, that, that might be worth it, but some of the things, you know, then what? What's going to happen then? Right. Are you going to be satisfied? Are you chasing something that yeah. is, yeah, I mean, for us, it's something that is oftentimes we can physically chase it and we can go after it. We know how to try to increase starts and it's the easy thing, but I think we don't do enough reflection and, and digging into why we feel like that's going to equate to happiness or satisfaction or peace. And then we just get on that treadmill and it never really goes anywhere.
0: I agree. Perfectly stated. And, and when I was talking to Tim about it, the only argument I made back, which I think there's some validity to, is it's okay to want more as long as that ever-expanding circle reaches all four corners of your life. You yes. know, hey, I want to be better at work. Well, you know what? I'm going to be better at love. I'm going to be better at worship. I'm going to be better at play. And I'm going to expand myself in all four directions. But that being said, not many people I know are really good at expanding their life in every direction at the same time. And, and I think it's okay to be out of balance for short periods of time. While you work on you're opening a new practice, you're going to be focused on work for a while, right? I mean, there's, there's no way around that. You have a new baby. I mean, you're going to be focused on family for a while. But while you're in that corner of your life, I don't think you can, you can ignore the rest of what's out there. So I just want to go back to something real quickly, because you talked about, um, your vulnerability with your team. And, um, you know, we talked about teams where the doctor buys Starbucks and what have you, but Jim Stork, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, amazing human being. Have you ever met Jim?
1: I don't think I have.
0: Yeah, he's in Des Moines. Sorry, Jim. Don't mean to embarrass you here, but <laughs> anybody, anybody who's ever met him will tell you to a person, he's just the greatest guy you'll ever meet. Great clinician, great leader. I've been in his practice and when I visit practices, I watch the doctor, but I often sit down with the team and say, what makes your practice special? And his team would run through a brick wall for him. They, they, they love him, truly love. I don't mean they like working there. They love him. And they love him when I asked why, they said because he really cares about us, right? And the things he does with emotional intelligence in his practice is incredible. And I learned from him about the love languages, Right. And I mean, he he goes through the Dave Ramsey financial stability course with his team so that everybody has financial stability and understands how to budget and doesn't have that crazy merry-go-round finances in their lives that we all see in our, in our teams. He really genuinely wants to leave their lives way better when they leave him than they were when they came in. And so I did the love languages. Thanks to Jim. I, I did it with my team and I found out that my team doesn't want Starbucks And I mean, don't, I'm not saying they don't. Right. (laughs) What's really important to my TC, and I didn't know this, and it brought her to tears when she was talking about it. She said, all I want from you is time with you. All I want is I want to sit and talk to you about the issues in the office. And I just want you to sit and stop moving for five minutes and give me your undivided attention and be with me at a table listening. Yes. And... A, I am blessed to have an employee who's willing to tell me that, right? And B, I'm thrilled that she did because now, once a week, I make sure no matter what else is going on, we sit down at a table and she gets 45 minutes to an hour of my time during lunch where we sit and anything that's on her mind, she gets my undivided attention. And you can see it charge her batteries. Like you can see that when it's all done, there's a spring in her step. Not because I gave her something, but Mm -hmm. I gave her my time. And I think it's important to like double down on that. Exactly what you're saying is, you know, get to know what your team wants, get to know what your people, what the team needs and be willing to be vulnerable enough to give it right. Because I could easily have said, what are you talking about? You know, I give you my time. I I do what I can. You know, if it's not good enough for you, there's the door. And you know, I, I think your message is a really good one from that point. So how, what should we be doing? What's the first step? Do we look in the mirror and realize, do we sit down with our team and pull them? What would you suggest to anybody out there right now who says, you know, this, uh, this vulnerability thing resonates with me. You know, I want to get started in it. Where do I go? What should they do?
1: I think for me, looking at sort of those, those areas of your life, um, <clears throat> you know, physical, you know, marital, parental, Financial, the practice, vocational type of you know domains or realms. Looking at each one and evaluating where you are. Um, now I do this the full focus planner, but Michael Hyatt has something online where it's a little test and it's it gives you a score and it's free, but it it tells you where you are in each of those arenas. And you might be shocked to find, man, I'm kicking butt in the the vocational practice financial, but. You know, my relationships, my kids or my, my spouse are lacking, but look at those, um, and try to see where you are in each of those arenas. And then ask yourself, what would you like to see different? You know, and, and what can you see that change in 30 days in a quarter? I see so many people with these, these really vague goals or these vague things that they want and, I feel like one of the things I've learned is be very specific and have a a, a timeline. And then what are you going to do? And why do you want that? You know, what are your motivating factors to lose 10 pounds or have a better relationship with your teenager? Um, so, so spend some time with yourself. Um, and then, yes, I think as far as your, your vocational or your practice relationships for me stopping and giving up what I'd been doing for so long was hard and and coming in like a new person, not I'm the boss. I'm strong. This is what we're going to do, but coming into this vulnerable place. And, you know, I used to ask them, what are their yearly goals? What are your goals at home? How are, you know, how are things going? But I never, that was sort of it in January, our big team meeting. And now it's, you know, Hey, you had a goal to, you know, stop drinking coffee. How's that going? What are you doing instead? You know, how was your week with that? So now we try to talk about stuff that has to do with the practice, but also has to do with them and their life. You know, how's your child? He was trying to make the varsity team. How'd that go? What happened with that? And and checking in with each other on all aspects rather than just the practice. But I think introspection, sitting down with yourself and looking at those areas that you talked about, you know, whether it be four or eight, but yeah, your, your family and your spirituality and all of these things. And then, Thinking about what you want to see different, you know, in a month and, and, and in a year and then working back for actionable steps and a timeline on those actionable steps because it's not always, you know, the thing that you want to do is sit down and journal or, you know, I like get up at 530 in the morning and, and do this thing called Savers, which is like the Miracle Morning, which is another book that a lot of people have read. But, you know, you meditate, and you exercise and you do all this stuff. And man, it, there's not time for it. And I don't want to get up and do it, but I do it because it makes sure there's time dedicated to growing and achieving what I want instead of just, you know, oh man, it's almost the end of the quarter and I haven't done anything to reduce my social media screen time or whatever my goal may be for the quarter. So I think defining it, um, being specific about it, and then setting the time aside of when you're going to do it, when you're going to start and sticking to it.
0: And You mentioned um, The Miracle Morning. Who's the author of that?
1: That's uh, Hal Elrod, I believe. Okay, and that's a, that's a great book. Um, Hal Elrod is the author of it, and that that was probably one of the first book books I read that um started. It's an immediate, easy read, and it's something that, that you can start doing the next day. And it's the big idea is savers, so every morning you spend 10 minutes or an hour or however much you want to dedicate, but you do silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading and scribing. Um, and so those are the the savers is the acronym. But, you know, some days my, my scribing is three sentences. And sometimes you read five pages in a book that you're trying to get through. Um, and sometimes my affirmations are on the way to work and I look funny driving down the road, you know, telling myself these things but getting these things in in the morning and before you start your day but scheduling time to do it um is a game changer
0: nice you know affirmations just there's a quick aside they make you feel like you're insane the first time you oh, yeah. oh yeah and i was a i still am a huge fan of affirmations um and it's funny because i used to I'm going to, you ready, Jeannie? Nobody else is listening except you and me right now. So I'm just going to- Okay, perfect. They have all tuned out. I don't want anybody to hear this. So turn your your volume down because I'm just speaking to Jeannie now. But I was so scared of sales when I was a general dentist. When I first bought my practice, I was scared to death of coming across as a salesman to my patients. And I was afraid of sales. And I remembered that one day after that stupid, you remember the Saturday Night Live, Stuart Smalley, you know, I'm good enough, yep. smart enough, yes. by golly, people like me, which is, yes. which is a great affirmation for the record. Yes. I'm, just, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making fun of it, but I am. Um, I used to remember I would drive, there was a long hill up the road to my office in Seattle, in West Seattle. And every morning as I would drive up this last little hill, trying to avoid children while I was driving through a school zone, I would, I would say to myself at least five or 10 times, I'm not afraid to present the best care for my patients. I would say that over and over again because I'd have a patient in the chair who said they didn't have any money, they were out of work, their family didn't have anything in the bank. And yet here I saw you know, 15 teeth breaking down that needed crowns and they, I needed to talk to them about $20,000 in treatment, but I listened to their story and I wouldn't do it. And I'd start this positive affirmation every morning. I'm not gonna be afraid to present care to patients that's in their best interest. That was it. i say it over and over again. And you know what? I'd sit down across some patients and that voice would say it again to me. And I have no problem saying my best, the best treatment they needed and let them make a decision. So positive affirmations are golden. And now that people are hopefully listening again, they turn the volume back up. <laughs> um, you know, it's not something to be undervalued. It's huge. And so one last question for you. Related to everything you just said, because there's a lot. Do, have you had anybody try to take advantage of your vulnerabilities?
1: Um, not that I can, not, not a specific example, but you know, for me, the, the thing I guess is, you know, you're in this relationship and it goes south and, You know, you try the the dating scene and it's very tough when you're 40, but continuing to um, be vulnerable and to seek authenticity can be hard in that arena because so many people are not, you know, seeking that and are not necessarily what they say or, or after what, you know, what they say they are. And so, you know, for me, you know, one of my affirmations, you know, I'm expanding in success and love every day as I inspire others to do the same. And so it has nothing to do with what the world gives back to me. It's what I'm doing. I'm expanding. I'm becoming a bigger, better version of myself, and I'm hoping to inspire others. So just staying focused on you and what you can control and what you want regardless of what the world gives you or what, you know, I have staff members that I, I, you know, sometimes take advantage. Um, And also just, I'm not afraid anymore. I was afraid of, you know, what are my oral surgeons going to think and my colleagues and I'm going to these dental galas and now I'm single. And my ex-husband was a part of the practice, you know, and they knew him and losing that mindset that, you know, everybody's perfect and everybody's living this, this perfect life. And here I am, you know, divorced mother of three and two practices and shifting shifting my mindset to look at me you know look I'm a badass like look what I'm doing and, and look how I'm growing and changing and and not necessarily letting my ego take over but just reminding myself that I'm doing extraordinary things you know people aren't getting up at you know 5 30 in the morning to do these these savers and people aren't you know finding time to have three young kids and, and spend one-on-one time with each one and try to reduce my screen time. So just the fact that I'm making an effort in these arenas, it makes you extraordinary because so many people set settle for mediocrity and they stay there and they don't, they just don't go forward. Yeah. And so, um, I think staying focused on that more so than what other people are doing or what other people may or may not take advantage of, I think staying on your journey. And like I said, I just want to be a better version of myself every day and and just putting the time and the effort into it and doing the work that's hard and the things that, that you don't want to do, sometimes doing them first, it, it, it slowly makes a big difference in your mindset and in everything from your practice to your relationships. But it's definitely it. thriving rather than surviving, which is where I was, you know, a few years ago.
0: I love it. And I tell my kids every day, you got to do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. Yes. uh, And they're learning that. And so it's interesting because what you, what you touched upon, there was this old study years ago. They, not a study. They, they interviewed a bunch of hospice care workers and said, what are some of the common themes you hear about people at the end of their lives when they know there's no time left and they're sitting with you and they say, you know, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. And some of the the common themes you hear them say is, you know, you said, you know, you're going to, you're divorced and now you're going to this gala and what are people going to think? And, so I've sort of gotten way past like caring what anybody thinks anymore, but it took me a long time. But, right. But they had said, you know, I wish I, one of the things was, I wish I cared less about what other people think. Right. And they, they also said things like, I wish I'd stood up for my own life. I wish I'd had my own life. Like, that was yes. one of them, like I wish I'd lived my own life. Like the, the common theme in these people is I did so many things to make other people happy, not thinking about what made me happy. And if I could do it all over again, now that I'm looking at the window into the next realm, whatever that is, whatever you believe in, they looked at it and said, I only wish I had done me more and not been ashamed of what me would be doing. And and I think that's your message is you know what? Do what's right, grow every day, and don't care what other people think about it. Because if they accept you for who you are, amazing. And if they don't, that's not your problem, that's their problem. Exactly. And and I love your message because it's all about positivity. And so thank you for that. So now, if you listen to the podcast, you know that there are 10 questions I ask at the end of every guest. And they're not my questions. I borrowed them from the great James Lipton, who does Inside the Actor's Studio, and he borrowed them from Bernard Pivot. So here you go. Are you ready, Jeannie? There are 10 questions. Okay. And I know this is going to be great. And that's going to be the best ever. Ready? (laughs) Yes. So... (laughs) Whatever's on your mind, just answer away, and there's no judgment, so.
1: Okay, yeah, turn your volumes down again.
0: No, turn them up, (laughs) go to 11 on your amp. So, what's your favorite word? Courage. What is your least favorite word? Can't. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally?
1: A live performance of either a music or a play.
0: Cool. What turns you off?
1: Something that lacks action, complaining, or, or just something that um, lacks action behind it, or, or a specific, net. what's the next plan, next step?
0: What sound or noise do you love?
1: I mean, everyone loves the money-counting machine at the bank, but usually I'm taking money out to go pay for something, so. Um.
0: You like the sound of money coming out of a machine.
1: Yeah, that little thing, to, that That's thing.
0: The money counter. <laughs> yeah. I got no problem with that. That's a great answer. You're I just had to
1: go get a big old pile of money out to pay for <laughs> something. They, they told me they wouldn't take taxes if I paid cash for my doors. so.
0: I, I got an idea there. for you. What yeah. I want you to do is go to one bank, or better, go to the same bank. Just destroy the teller. Take out, ask her you need a 1,000 singles. You know, write a check yeah. for $1,000. And then give them back to her and say, you'd like to change it to hundreds.
1: Yeah. Just sit there and listen. I should buy one of those machines on Amazon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it won't look too suspicious when people come into your house and see you have a money counting machine on the counter. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm moving on to the next question because this can get us in trouble. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate?
1: Oh man. My, my kids grinding their teeth at night.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Got to, right.
1: Got to get that airway under control. Yeah. That, get that that, airway. yeah you know,
0: Yeah. yeah. I just made don't, an Essex get, for
1: a five-year-old. That's don't, helping.
0: Don't want them wetting the bed. Exactly. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: I would like to be a life coach or a painter.
0: A life coach or a painter. I like that. Well, I think you already are a bit of a life coach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> painting I can't attest to. What profession would you not like to do?
1: I would not like to... Man, I don't know. Maybe... And all I can think of is... Yeah, I've got this... (laughs) The other day, my son got bit right on this testicle by a spider. So we went to the ER, and that poor ultrasound tech had to... Go to town I'm really trying not to lie yeah trying and, all, to laugh. and it was like an hour long and I was sitting there going man I didn't get this much ultrasound for my twins and it all turned out to be fine but this lady just <laughs> she looked like that was the worst job on earth but I gotta,
0: uh I gotta be honest uh, that doesn't sound like a good job at that moment
1: no that's what I was thinking you know proctologist or you know a uh, urology ultrasound technician probably things I would pass on
0: you know the weirdest part is that people look at us and like, do you ever get like, um, how do you look in people's mouths all day, right? Oh, yeah. I, I get that all the time. I'm like, it's no problem for me, I, and I'm I'm assuming like for a proctologist, like the first couple of times you do it, it's kind of like oh, this sucks, and then after that, it's like yeah, you know, I got to say interesting, in, got a sandwich yeah. in one hand, and yeah, <laughs> I guess it's just like desensitization, but yeah,
1: yeah. Last- Looking at your, your slides on the computer. <laughs>
0: Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: I would like him to say, or her or her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, man, you lived every day hard and like it was your last and you loved out loud. You held nothing back. And good or bad, it was a big life and a vulnerable life and a courageous life. Yeah. And I'm proud of
0: you. I love it. That's awesome. I really, from the bottom of my heart, want to thank you for being here, for reaching out to me after you heard Anil and, and, and Kyle, because I think your message is heard way too infrequently in ortho. And I think it's going to be my mission over the coming whatever to try to spread that gospel as best I can and to try to live that better because I need it. And on behalf of everybody out there, I just want to say thank you, Jeannie. Really.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And again, reach out to me, reach out to Glenn. If you, you know, don't have a tribe or don't have people that can relate to you as a professional uh, for sure. I, I feel like I gain a lot more than other people gain sometimes from these conversations.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, the truth out there is, you know, nobody needs to be alone today we're all out there for them at all times. And it sounds like, like we're just paying just some quick little sort of comment out there, but I, I know that we mean it and you're never alone. You can always reach out to us. Um, we're always there for you. And so look for her everywhere, but more importantly, look for her probably at Orthopreneurs 2020, because we're sure. definitely the kind of person I want up there speaking to our group. So um, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, to everybody out there, if you ever have any questions, feel free to email me directly at doc at kriegersmiles.com, uh, K R K-R-I-E-G-E-R. I um, E G E R. And if you want to hit me up on Facebook, message me anytime. I'm always there for you. And uh, until next time, just wishing you all a, a great day. And you know what? Between now and next time, focus on vulnerability because, as Jeannie showed us, it could make a difference in your life. So take care, and we'll chat soon.